Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us. That sweltering heat that started on the south coast is creeping further inland. People in the interior are dealing with temperatures way above normal, with some areas hitting 40 degrees. Aaron MacArthur has more on the hot spots and why some people can't find relief. Searing, unrelenting heat. Areas around B.C. will touch 40 degrees Monday, and temperatures will stay there for several more days yet. Even on Vancouver Island, where it is above 30 in places, seeking out some sort of relief is priority number one. Yeah, water pack, tubing, um, swimming. Uh, well, we have AC in our house, which is very nice. Finding relief is a concern for all ages. Outreach workers across the province are loading up on cool drinks, seeking out people who are potentially at risk. Anybody actually that's out walking in the heat like this is going to be vulnerable because it's not ideal temperatures. It will be hot province-wide. The West Kootenays could be near 40, the Okanagan in the upper 30s, and around Lytton and Lillooet above 40. In Nelson, marginalized people have precious few options for staying cool. They are at a significantly higher risk of overheating. Being homeless has, has serious health impacts even without extreme weather events, and so Heat like this is only going to add to that. And access to cooler spaces is not as easy as it needs to be. Linda has struggled with homelessness in Nelson. Coffee shops and community centres aren't always welcoming spaces. And a new community hub has capacity limits. So if it's full, you've got to wait. You've got to just hang out. The Okanagan, where temperature records may fall this week, is perhaps among the most prepared regions in the province. According to StatsCan, 84% of households in Kelowna have access to some sort of air conditioning. But the 16% who don't tend to be lower income residents. The heat shouldn't be as extreme as 2021. Slightly longer August nights mean slightly cooler overnight lows. But the cumulative effect will still take its toll. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now with more on today's heat records and Christy when we hope to see some relief. A little while still, Chris. So today's the second day that we've broke record daily highs. Today we broke 11 of them. Here are the top ones showing trail leading the charge at 39.8 degrees, breaking a record from 1994. Cash Creek 39.2, Pemberton 39.1, and Kelowna 37.8. But the hotspot across Canada today was in Lytton, reaching 40.4 degrees. And they've got two more days of this on the way. More drastic change will happen on Friday with a drop and temperature not only for those of you in the interior but along the coast as well. Chris, these temperatures are between 5 to 15 degrees above seasonal for this time of year, so quite exceptional indeed. No doubt it is. Okay, we'll check in with you a little bit later. And of course, seniors are most at risk in this heat. The 2021 heat dome proved that. It led to hundreds of heat-related deaths, and many of them were elderly people who lived alone. 
Grace Key has more on the work being done to protect them this time and how you can help. Let's open it up. Rick Fitzgerald has picked up a cool kit and fan at the Gordon Neighborhood House, a nonprofit in Vancouver's West End. The kits are part of a partnership with the city and health authority. Gel pack is in here to keep things cool. Of the 619 heat-related deaths in B.C. from the 2021 heat dome, the majority happen indoors and many involve seniors. The West End has a large concentration of seniors. Many live by themselves in older buildings with no air conditioning. Who is this one for? I'm getting this for a neighbour who she doesn't get out and around too much. The best thing we can do is support seniors to help other seniors. So we've trained seniors in our community to have the knowledge and resources to do heat checks with their own colleagues and friends. Um, so they look after each other and along the way they build up their own knowledge of what to look for. That helps keep them safe too. People thought many seniors who died during the heat dome hadn't been checked on, but BC Senior Advocate says that's not the case. People underestimated the heat. Adding a cohesive provincial strategy is needed to evacuate some from their homes. It's just going to be too hot for them in that apartment. We can't cool it down sufficiently. And how are we going to get them to where they need to get to for two or three nights until things cool down? For this heat wave, Vancouver could see highs of 26 degrees, but it'll feel like the low 30s. In the Fraser Valley, it'll feel like 38 degrees. Nighttime temperatures are expected to be in the upper teens. Generally speaking, when the temperatures stay warmer than the mid to upper teens, there's not a very long period of time for a home to be able to cool off in the overnight hours, thereby your exposure to temperatures in the overnight uh, remain elevated. This one intrigues most people. As a visual reminder, the cool kits come with a thermometer. For those with a greater risk of heat illness, temperatures above 26 degrees may be unsafe for extended times, and above 31 degrees should be brief. Grace Key, Global News. Well, with temperatures climbing to those record levels, advocates say the B.C. government needs to put rules in place so renters can keep cool, including preserving their right to air conditioning. Richard Zussman has more. There are luxuries in this weather, a fan mixed with an air conditioner and a helpful community. Most importantly is communicating neighbor to neighbor. This heat making apartments quickly both uncomfortable and potentially even dangerous. Right now, municipalities required landlords to keep a minimum temperature for renters in the winter. But Emily Rogers from Victoria's Together Against Poverty Society says those laws don't include a heat cap during the summer. We know that in 2021, 619 people died because of extreme heat. We know that extreme heat is the number one cause of weather-related death in Canada. And currently we have nothing in our residential tenancy laws that protects tenants from this danger. The province is considering changes, but is also accounting for the impact on landlords, especially in this housing market. Not making the burden so onerous that people decide, hey, either I'm going to sell my building or I'm going to tear it down and redevelop. Even if you have a thermostat or a thermometer in your home, knowing when hot is too hot is the challenge. That's why advocates are calling on the province to set a bare standard for when it comes to heat. I would like us to come up with this is the ambient temperature of a room over which it is unsafe for somebody and they need to be removed or the temperature has to be brought down. Advice is over 31 degrees is too hot indoors, but that's a recommendation, not a law. Currently, landlords have the power to ban renters from installing air conditioners, something tenant advocates say the province needs to act on. One of the things that implementing a right to cooling would do 
is make terms like that unenforceable. So even if they were written in a tenancy agreement, a landlord would not be able to legally enforce it against a tenant. Any changes will be too late to help this summer, but the province intends to act before another full summer of heat. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. As expected, the death toll from the Maui fire is climbing. Now at 99 people, making it the deadliest wildfire in modern U.S. history. Damage is estimated at close to $6 billion. Nitu Garche is in Maui with the latest, including the grassroots effort trying to get much-needed aid to those who are suffering. Nitu. Access to Lahaina by road has been largely limited to emergency operations and residents. Even some vehicles filled with donated food and supplies have been restricted. We're hearing one of the biggest needs right now is prescription medication and water. So volunteers like this group behind me are finding other ways in. Friend's uh, wife was, remains was found in the house. So that uh, is pretty sad too. Volunteer Kimo Burley says everyone living on Maui is impacted by the devastating wildfires, and this group is finding ways to get aid where it's needed. We'd much rather be driving this over there, but if we're not permitted to take that highway into Lahaina, then this is the only other option other than maybe by plane or helicopter. We need water. Did anybody know if we got medicine? A human chain of volunteers has been loading up private boats with specific supplies requested by locals in Lahaina, making multiple trips a day. Our drone captured this footage on Sunday of Lahaina with buildings, vehicles and houses leveled. It's home to heartbreak. We are so devastated. A lot of my family members have lost their homes. Also, we've had them die in the fire. So all we need here in Lahaina is prayers and any kind of monetary. Everybody lost their jobs. We love you all. God bless. First time we came up here, I was in tears, thinking, like, it looks like a war zone. We brought baby formula. And this woman ran up and hugged one of our colleagues, crying, thank you, because my baby, I didn't have any food. Um, that made all the difference. Questions are mounting over the cause of the blaze, which is still under investigation. FBI evidence recovery teams are now on scene. There are reports as the fire tore through here, Lahaina's water system collapsed. Fire hydrants were running dry. And Hawaiian Electric is now facing a class action lawsuit, alleging this could have been avoided if power had been shut down before hurricane strength winds hit the area. I can't do anything else. Like, I can't not be here. But for Carl Snyder and his group, even with the National Guard and Federal Emergency Management Agency on the ground, they don't plan to ease their own relief efforts anytime soon. 12 to 18 trips every single day. The situation in Lahaina is desperate, but one sentiment we have heard over and over again is that through their heartbreak, people are finding hope and the tireless efforts of volunteers just trying to help however they can is one example of that. Nithu Garcha, Global News, off the coast of Lahaina, Maui. And check out this shocking scene at a condo complex in Lahaina showing what terrified residents experienced during the wildfire. The video shows people taking refuge in a swimming pool at the Aina Nalu condos in Lahaina as the buildings around them burn. The complex is within walking distance of the center of the town, including that famous banyan tree. Well, a wellness check in New Westminster has led to a homicide investigation. On Sunday night around 9.30, 
New Westminster police conducted a wellness check at a residence in the 1000 block of Keyside Drive. Officers found a man dead inside the home and his death has been deemed suspicious. The integrated homicide investigation team has taken over and is working to confirm the identity of the victim. Investigators believe it's an isolated incident and say there is no further risk to the public. City policies that slow down social housing projects. The development rules changed nearly a decade ago in the downtown east side and critics say it's paralyzing the construction of affordable homes where they're needed most. What some say would work much better next on the news hour. Thank you. You're welcome. When life gives you lemons, a little boy's cancer fundraiser and what inspired it coming up later on the news hour. Plus how an overturned boat blocked the highway near Campbell River and who owns it? That's coming up. An initiative to prevent new ownership housing in the downtown east side is almost 10 years old. The area around Oppenheimer Park is a social housing and rental only zone. The plan was to prevent gentrification of the area, but some say it's been a failure and it's time to rethink it. Kristen Robinson reports. This is the future. When Bob Rennie was marketing the Woodward's condos and social housing, he had a bold prediction for the downtown east side. This is the new downtown because it's got nowhere else to go. 17 years later, this is what it looks like. I don't think we understood what we were really saying. It's just geographically, it made sense. Under the 2014 Downtown Eastside Plan, a 30-year vision to improve the lives of low-income residents, no condos are allowed in the heart of the neighborhood around Oppenheimer Park. It's not working. New projects built beyond existing zoning in the area bordered by Gastown on the west, Chinatown and Strathcona to the south, industry on the east and the waterfront to the north must contain 60% social housing and 40% secured market rental. A mix developers say is not economically viable without huge government subsidies. The city says only one 6040 project, 28080's Hastings, has been built since 2014. When you only see one building built, so that zoning is protected and stopped the area from smart growth or gentrification. Allowing condos would increase property values. Proponents of the current policy, including former senior Vancouver City planner Nathan Edelson, say market development would endanger existing social housing and potentially displace the most vulnerable. The 60-40 split in the downtown east side plan has yet to change the lives of the people in the neighborhood for the better. But, says architect Gregory Henriquez, funding is the problem, not the housing mix. The partnerships between the city, the province, and the feds have not happened to make it a reality. I think it, it really requires the government to be purchasing strategic sites and to be getting the three levels of government focusing uh, their resources to build it. Rennie says 6040 is not bringing BC Housing or the development community to the table. He believes a 3070 housing mix could work. Maybe it's 30% subsidized. 20% at 10% below market rent and 50% at market rents. It needs a readdress or we wouldn't have only built one since 2014. The city says it continues to review and define the downtown east side plan according to housing and community needs and council's direction. But there are no plans to review the 60-40 housing policy in the Oppenheimer district 
that's seen only this building go up in nearly a decade. Kristen Robinson, Global News. In the first 10 years of the downtown Eastside plan, the goal was to create 1,400 new social housing units. Here we are nine years later, and 1,200 have been completed with another 820 under construction. The target for new secured market rental housing is 1,650 units. So far, only 425 have been built with another 210 under construction. Now, the federal housing minister is hinting new efforts to build rental housing in the Lower Mainland could be announced later this week. Sean Fraser toured the region with municipal leaders, marveling at the construction boom around Metro Town Station. But he also expressed shock at what we know very well here, the high cost of rent in the region, topping $3,000 a month just for a one-bedroom, according to Rentals.ca. But Fraser says Ottawa is sticking with its current housing policy, which critics say does little to help build new homes for those who need them most. Before we start talking about profiling more public expenditures, I think we have a duty to demonstrate that we're going to build more housing with the funds that we have already budgeted. We don't want to simply just be projecting out forever and a day that we're going to have to spend tens of billions of more, particularly when there's money on the table that's not been allocated to specific projects. We have to look at the housing market itself. The market has been designed to make rich investors richer, to make property flippers record profits, but it's not been designed to ensure that families can have a place to call home. Federal policies aim to keep rent within 30% of a renter's monthly income. Just ahead, one of BC's worst traffic bottlenecks. We need to have some people that know how to get things done on our highways. Why widening it is taking so long with no completion date in sight. And raccoon research, what we can learn from one of nature's most adaptable creatures and how you can help later. Good evening and good news. Cleared a multi-vehicle accident in Delta. Southbound on Highway 99 at the 91 interchange, traffic is almost fully recovered through here. Select Sussex Insurance and make a difference. When you renew your auto plan online, select your neighborhood Sussex Insurance location when prompted and a donation will be made to Diabetes Canada. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center. It's one of the worst traffic bottlenecks in the entire province. The stretch of Highway 1 between Langley and Chilliwack slows to a crawl in either direction and at any time of the day. Work is now underway to widen sections of the road, but as Janet Brown shows us, the government says there is now no timeline to start work on the busy stretch through Abbotsford and Chilliwack. The provincial government says the widening of Highway 1 between 216th in Langley and 264th in Abbotsford is slated to be completed by the fall of 2025 with work well underway. As for a construction timeline east of 264th, that is still up in the air. With the atmospheric river and resulting flood in the Sumas Prairie in 2021 apparently complicating planning for the project. It's impacted the entire project um, from, you know, all the way from Chilliwack. We're still working on the timing and, you know, we want it done as quickly as possible. Meantime, the opposition says the highway should be six-laned all the way to Chilliwack as soon as possible. If we don't get government that understands that you got to build for the future, 
we're never going to get these projects done, and that's what frustrates me. Local chambers of commerce say the highway should have been widened years ago. At this point in time, um, we don't have any answers on, on what the timeline will look like for the completion of highway widening from Mount Lehman right here in Abbotsford through uh, to uh, Highway 11. You see producers, agricultural producers, manufacturers uh, sitting in gridlock as they're trying to get their products to market from the Fraser Valley to the Port of Metro Vancouver. Those who use the highway say the route has become a bottleneck. It is a bit of a pain. I work in the auto mall, so sometimes you got to go on test drives and you can get stuck in traffic for an hour. We run a company and it puts us back hours a day, especially first thing in the morning and at the end of the day. The traffic just backs all the way up. Don't go during rush hour, don't go after 3 o'clock, um, don't go after, you know, 7.30 or 8 in the morning unless you're willing to take an hour and a half out of your day. The widened highway includes plans for dedicated HOV and electric vehicles, as well as bus on shoulder lanes and a truck climbing lane in each direction in certain areas. Janet Brown, Global News. New polling shows the federal conservatives are making some big gains. However, questions remain about the leadership of the party. And Keith Baldry joins us now with more on this. Keith, the numbers show that people are probably ready for some change, but they have some reservations about Pierre Polyev. They do indeed. So Angus Reid Institute, the latest pollster showing the Conservatives are starting to put considerable daylight between themselves and the ruling federal Liberals. But there is some questions about leadership. We'll get to leadership in a moment. Here's the latest numbers in terms of decided vote. The Conservatives now with a seven-point lead over the Liberals. They're up one point to 38. The Liberals are actually up a couple points from the poll in June. The NDP is dropping. They go back and forth. No real change there. With the Same with the Bloc and the Greens. However, when it comes to the leaders, we see different results. Both parties main parties have significant problems with both leaders' low approval ratings. Justin Trudeau at 39%. That's actually up three points from June, but statistically, it's not much of a change. In Pierre Poliev, the leader of Conservatives, at 35%, there was no change there. In fact, there's not been any change in Pierre Poliev's approval ratings. They've been stuck at that number since he became leader. Uh, pollster Shachi Curl from Angus Reid making the point both parties have leadership problems, but Pierre Poliev's problems may be more serious because he has a serious credibility problem with people who vote in greater numbers, and that's women who live in urban areas and suburban areas, and that's where all the writings are. Here's Polster Curl. We're seeing both leaders actually having something of a dragging effect on their party's fortunes. In the case of Pierre Polyev, he is incredibly popular with older men and incredibly unpopular with younger women. And that does represent a barrier for Polyev because, again, uh, you can't win in the cities where younger people and, and younger women tend to live. Uh, if you can't win there, without their vote, without the vote of those women, you cannot form government. And people are still, despite the rebrand, we saw this new ad campaign rollout. Uh, we're not necessarily seeing, even though it's early days, much impact from those just yet. So you heard Ms. Curl's reference to that ad campaign rollout. So the Conservatives are in the middle of a $3 million ad campaign in the dog days of summer, which is curious timing because not a lot of people pay attention right now. They show ads of Pierre Poliev sort of on a family setting. I think they're very effective, but again, he's no sooner does that than he's out there talking about the World Economic Forum and such. So again, the Conservatives have a significant leadership problem, as the Liberals do, but there's still plenty of time before the next election for both Justin Trudeau and Pierre Poliev to do some work and improve their images and brands with the voters before before we go to the polls. It looks like lots of work for them to do in the next year or so. Keith, thanks, thanks. very much. <laughs> All right, coming up, a cool new discovery in medicine.
these types of technologies may allow us to use more donors more effectively. The freezing cold breakthrough that could help preserve far more organs for transplant. And what a new study on COVID immunity says about our protection from another infection. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Traffic is moving well both ways at the Alex Fraser Bridge tonight. It's underneath on Highway 17. That's busy due to ongoing paving and lane closures in both directions. Contact Kermac for expert windshield repair and replacement services while supporting Kermac Cares for Kids. Kermac is celebrating 50 years of collision and auto glass services, and that's no accident. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center. An investigation is underway after a highway accident involving a patrol vessel operated by the Department of Fisheries and Oceans. Take a look. It happened just after 9 o'clock this morning on Highway 19 in Campbell River. The Titan rigid inflatable came off its trailer and ended up on its side, blocking one lane of the road. Campbell River RCMP say no one was hurt in the mishap and the boat was removed from the road by the early afternoon. A new study says more than three-quarters of Canadians had immunity to COVID-19 from infection by this spring. The study in the Canadian Medical Association Journal was done by the COVID-19 Immunity Task Force, a publicly funded research group. It looked at blood samples from throughout the pandemic and measured antibodies from past infections. Just 9% of people had been infected by November of 2021, but 15 months later, in March of this year, Evidence of an infection was found in more than 75% of Canadians. The study says that rate is still going up, but it's slowed down significantly since the spring. A major breakthrough in medicine could have far-reaching impacts on the preservation of blood and other important tissues and organs. A team at the University of Alberta has found a way to freeze cells in a way that doesn't damage them. And their discovery could help save millions of lives every year. Crunchy ice crystals are annoying on ice cream and other frozen foods, but they're a major problem when it comes to freezing the living cells used in many medical advances. To solve that, University of Alberta researchers studied nature, trees, frogs, and fish in winter. The fish actually live in an environment where their body fluids should freeze because it's below zero, uh, but they don't, and that's because they have these ice blockers or ice in in inhibitors. Dr. Jason Acker's team has created a synthetic version of those molecules in a powder that minimizes ice formation around cells during cryogenic freezing. So it really is a, a roadblock uh, in some ways to the movement of water to that growing ice crystal. And as a result, those crystals stay small. 
Right now, blood cells can survive about 40 days in a fridge. With the new tech, these have been living for three months in a freezer. The goal is five months. They can also be frozen into blood droplets for quick thawing. The powder also has huge potential for cryopreserving organs and tissues. With cryopreservation, we could literally have a library of potential organs. Transplant surgeon Jayan Nagendran says organs can only survive on ice for about eight hours. Not much time to get them to a matching recipient, plus arrange operating rooms. He says logistics are a daily challenge for transplant teams. Ideally, they could have a freezer full of organs to use as needed. These types of technologies may allow us to use more donors more effectively which makes those potential gifts of life all the more uh, valuable. Dr. Acker's team has been testing their invention on rat lungs, freezing, then reviving them on a machine. They're also cryopreserving fish embryos to help improve human infertility tech. Other possibilities include cancer therapies, food transport, even saving endangered species. Five years ago, I would have said that organ preservation was, was a science fiction dream. I think uh, now we're at the cusp of really seeing the breakthroughs that this technology, as well as others, are going to enable. A nationwide recall has been issued by Canada's Food Inspection Agency for a number of varieties of the popular Monster brand of energy drink. All flavors of Monster Energy with caffeine and without bilingual labeling have been recalled due to various non-compliances for caffeine and labeling requirements. The recall was issued last Thursday. The CFIA is asking customers to discard the drinks or return them to their original purchase point. Don't consume, serve, use, sell or distribute them if you have them. The agency is conducting a food safety investigation into the matter. Just ahead, a young entrepreneur on a mission. Because I want to save a life. Love and lemonade, the bittersweet inspiration for this boy's refreshing business. But first, Raccoon IQ, what BC researchers say we could learn from these highly adaptable creatures. A lot of people looking to cool off right now, but rescue crews on the North Shore are sounding the alarm. After a rescue there this afternoon, crews from the District of North Vancouver were called to rescue a young man who injured himself cliff diving in the Twin Falls area of Lynn Canyon. That area, of course, is popular on hot summer days, but it's also the scene of repeated rescues when cliff divers get into trouble. In this case, rescue crews had to use ropes to get the injured patient up to safety, and it is a warning. It can turn dangerous very quickly. All right, you can't blame people for looking for a place to cool off. Christy Gordon joins us once again with some of those hot spots today. Christy? Any way you can cool off, that's for sure, except getting yourself into a problematic situation like that. Uh, but here's a look at the hot spot. So the hot spot across Canada today, 41.5 degrees. That was Lynn, always the hot spot in B.C. Uh, by comparison, by the way, in the heat dome that we saw in 2021, we were at 49.6. So we're nowhere near that. Nonetheless, that's 15 degrees above seasonal for this time of year right now. So Lil Lil Wet, as you can see, also up there in numerous areas. And we broke 11 records today. 
I wanted to show you this. The human eggs value is really significant across the south coast. It's not very significant for those of you in the interior. So it bumps your numbers up by a degree. So the feels like is another sort of number above. But along the coast, we're seeing a range from three to five degrees bump up. So look at Port Alberni. It was 36, but it felt like 40 today. And in Metro Vancouver, and that's near the water, it was 24, feeling like 29. So the human eggs value really has a significant impact on what your body feels. These were the overnight lows. So Lydon potentially only down to 20. Kamloops tonight down to 19. We'll get a bit more relief for those of us along the coast. But during the day, the temperatures are going to soar once again. Likely one of the hottest days again tomorrow. Lytton potentially in that 40 degree range once again. And Lytton potentially will see that again on Wednesday also. So the North Coast region, whole different ballgame for you. You're looking at cloud and showers. The ridge of high pressure is basically from Prince George South. So these are for forecasted highs for tomorrow and we're expecting 26 to 32 degrees across Metro Vancouver. Fraser Valley may be up to about 33, 34. And as you can see, we're going to stay hot Wednesday, even into Thursday before we get some relief finally on Friday. And certainly you'll feel the relief over the weekend. In fact, I think it'll feel quite drastic, that difference. Tonight's central windows weather window coming to you from White Rock, where the tide was way out. I believe this was from yesterday. Norman Orm or capturing this great shot with everyone there out there in the water. Such a great spot to be in the summer. Love it. Okay, thanks very much, mm -hmm. Christy. A rescued kitten named Tilly who fought to survive a suspected predator attack will be up for adoption in September. Take a look. The BCSPCA says the 10-week-old kitten was found by a good Samaritan along the shore of Dragon Lake in Quenelle. The kitten was badly injured and wouldn't have lasted much longer without veterinary intervention. Tilly was hospitalized and is now recovering. The BCSPCA says she'll eventually be spayed and her tail will have to be amputated, but the veterinarian is impressed with the progress of her recovery. Way to go, Tilly. All right, raccoons are well-known bandits of the night, thriving in urban environments unlike almost any other animal. Scientists at UBC are now trying to understand how raccoons have become so successful coexisting around humans. And as Krista Dow reports, they're asking for your help in this scientific endeavor. There is a raccoon swimming in our pool. Raccoons are not particularly known for their backyard pool skills, nor as entertainment to waiting sea bus passengers. In Metro Vancouver, these mass bandits are more commonly known for being a nuisance. In many cases, using the cover of darkness to lurk in backyards and rummage through your garbage. They are pretty smart, and they outsmart us quite a bit. Researchers say trash pandas are known to be adaptable to their surroundings. It's dinner time. But just how adaptable is unknown and understudied. Scientists at UBC are looking to test raccoons' IQ when it comes to their cognitive abilities, such as memory, learning, self-control, and behavior. If they're doing well at one task, then they're going to do well in another. And you can think of this, and they have to use sort of multiple, um, cogn what we call cognitive domains, in order to do different tasks. This contraption, one of five tasks used to test a different part of the critter's brain. 
And when a raccoon approaches this tube, sort of their automatic response is to reach for the food that's in the bottom. Griebling says to fully study them properly, they need about two dozen Vancouverites to volunteer their backyard. Raccoons are sedated, microchipped, given food and water, and then released. Motion-activated infrared cameras will capture their problem-solving skills. And we can follow their performance as they interact with these different cognitive tests. I think it's really important to get a better understanding of some of these behaviors that we might not necessarily like, but are just natural behaviors for the raccoons. So love them or hate them, experts say the more we know, the better we can minimize conflict with these urban scavengers and better coexist. This is insane. Krista Dow, Global News. Bandits of the night. Oh, they're Dude, bandits, them, all right. Hey, I hear them tipping over the, the green bins in my back alley all the time, although mm. I rarely ever see them. Um, should we talk about the bandits of the basketball kind? Yeah, which, and that's a Fox <laughs> logo, but, you know, it, it still applies. Yeah, you know what, Chris? It was a great weekend of basketball at the Langley Event Center as the Canadian League Basketball League crowned new champions. Unfortunately, it was the hometown Vancouver Bandits whose season came to an end Friday night in the semifinals. I think the, the 12 or 10 days off prior to that game kind of hurt us for sure. We had some great momentum at the end of the regular season and we kind of lost that. So, yeah, watching that yesterday was definitely difficult. Great competition there on the weekend for sure. Jay, we'll check in a little later. Also tonight, a refreshing twist on fundraising. A little boy's lemonade stand in memory of his father. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Just back from vacation. Welcome back. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Actually had the golf clubs out, Chris was saying. Yes, and, and some great golfers coming to town in the next little while. Some here. very good. Look at us with the segues. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> uh, evening, everybody. Yes, next week, the uh, world's best female golfers will be out at Shaughnessy for the CPKC Canadian Open. Today, Golf Canada announced seven Canadians receiving exemptions, led by two-time Olympian and longtime LPGA player Elena Sharp. This will be Sharp's 18th appearance at the Open. She lost full playing privileges on the LPGA uh, season ago, but she did win on the Epson Tour uh, or about a month and a half ago. Uh, some BC content, though, were granted exemptions. Surrey 17-year-old Lauren Kim will tee it up in her first Open Championship. Same for Shaughnessy's Victoria Liu. Tournament runs August 22nd through the 27th. When the Canadian late basketball season began, the Vancouver Bandits' plan was to be playing in the championship game in front of their loyal fans yesterday at the Langley Event Centre. Unfortunately, the championship game featured Calgary and Scarborough with the Ontario Club winning it all. The Bandits just never managed to get it going all season long. Put up a good fight, though, in the semifinal on Friday night before losing on a game-winning three-pointer to Calgary. The 2023 CEVL season has come to an end and the Vancouver Bandits were forced to watch another team lift the championship trophy in their home arena. There go the cabin, and this ball game is over. Scarborough beat Calgary, which is the team that knocked Vancouver out of the playoffs in the semifinals. Bam! There it goes! 
one of the more difficult losses for me in my career on Friday night, but specifically for our group. We we worked hard for that to get to that point and be playing well at that point. The Bandits won three four regular season games, but motivation through the year proved to be a challenge since the team automatically qualified for the playoffs as hosts. The Bandits went into the postseason with an 8-12 record. Some dark days where you could tell guys knew we were in the playoffs right from the start, so we worked really hard to kind of create an urgency and fight through that. Another challenge to their season was losing marquee player DJ Stewart, a 21-year-old point guard who played at Duke. He left the Bandits to join the NBA Summer League and is now signing a training camp deal with the Boston Celtics. We brought him in to be really a pillar of the organization and uh, when he went off to Summer League and scored almost I think, 36 points per game. Uh, so we have to still find those types of players, but also be cautious that, yeah, they, they, they may leave. Despite some struggles on the court, loyal fans did not leave, and the brand and business continues to see growth. We increased our attendance by about 1,000 people per game. Uh, we had seven sellouts. Uh, our school day game sold out again, welcomed 4,500 students from across the region who were unable to afford the basketball game. Our playoff game on Friday night sold out. It's all about the fan experience. It's all about the entertainment we can provide them with. Um, you know, turning those non-basketball fans into basketball fans. Eventually, the fan base will demand a championship. Through five seasons, the closest the Bandits have come to hoisting a trophy was in a shortened 2020 season when they lost in the final. The longer the fans wait, the hungrier they will get. I talked to our, uh, a lot of our season ticket holders yesterday personally, thanked them all, and, and it was emotional because uh, you could see how much the fans cared. And that, that's what makes it emotional, and that's, that's what makes a great team uh, great. Love the look of that CBL trophy, too. Uh, Brazilian soccer star Neymar is the latest footballer to head to Saudi Arabia. Paris Saint-Germain agreeing to a $98 million transfer with Al-Halal. Pending a medical, Neymar is agreeing to a two-year contract worth upwards of $175 million. 31-year-old joining PSG back in 2017 from Barcelona for then a record transfer of $242 million. Just ridiculous amounts of money being thrown around in soccer these days. Week one of the Premier League concluding today. Manchester United at home to Wolverhampton. Wasn't quite the cakewalk that I think Man U supporters expected it to be. Didn't see our first goal until the 76th minute. Boy, you got to appreciate the build-up on this one, don't you? Rafael Varone. Nods home, the exclamation point was the only goal of the match. United 1-0 victory over the Wolves. Wolverhampton had 23 shots, 6 on target, but it was quality finished by Veron for Manchester United. Well, are you going to pick him in your fantasy pool now that Ezekiel Elliott has a new NFL team? He's going to join the New England Patriots on a one-year deal. It's a base salary of $3 million. He'll get a $1 million signing bonus. With incentives, Zeke could make upwards of $6 million. He posted on social media, 1-5 all the way. He's going to wear jersey number 15. It's the same number he wore in college for Ohio State. Ezekiel Elliott, now a member of the New England Patriots. ATP Tour from today, Cincinnati Masters, 12-seated Felix Oje Aliassim. Boy, he's been battling injuries all season long. He just hasn't been himself. Five-match losing skid for a Canadian. Last time he beat a top 50-ranked opponent was way back in March. Today, he lost the opening set to Italy's Matteo Bertini. But then he took the second set. Nice volley, super soft. Went on to take the uh, set 6-2. Hey, it's been a long time coming since we've seen Oje Aliassime play this well like he did today. He out-hit the Italian 25 winners to 13. He wins it in three sets, 4-6, 6-3, 6-4.
6-2. So Felix Auger-Alessim finally ends that long match losing skin. Digging the action green shirt there. You like that? The little neon? Seahawks, yeah, little, little Seahawks All right. color. All right, thanks very much, Jay. Up next, the lemonade stand inspired by love and how a young boy is serving it up so he can save lives. Andrea is doing the night shift tonight and here with a preview of what's coming up on Global News at 11. And thanks, Chris. Motorists may have noticed smoke coming from the city of Kamloops. Turns out the B.C. Wildfire Service is reporting a planned ignition along the southwest corner of the Rossmore Lake wildfire, which is now underway. Smoke is also visible from Highway 5. Previously, winds had prevented the burn from taking place and it's hoped the planned ignitions will help contain this fire. That story and more details on arrest in Lynn Canyon of that injured cliff jumper tonight at 11. Chris. All right, thanks very much for that, Anne. Now, a heartwarming story from Victoria, where one eight-year-old is turning loss into lemonade. Global's Kylie Stanton introduces us to Anders Yee and the connection to the local medical community that has him giving back. What do you want? I think I'll take the classic, okay. please. The business model has stood the test of time. Fill a cup. Fill your pockets. Thank you. You're welcome. But like the drinks being sold here, the story behind Anders Yee's lemonade stand is bittersweet. Because my dad passed away. It's just nice to honor that. This Thursday marks one year since Kevin Yee collapsed in the family home after suffering a brain aneurysm. It was very sudden. I just happened to be phoning to check up and I heard a loud crash and Anders started screaming, Daddy's hurt, he fell down. The 55-year-old later died at Victoria's Royal Jubilee Hospital. His wife and son left to navigate the world without him. Yeah, lots of memories. He has such a giving nature, which has been passed on to my son. You also want some ice? So it was no surprise when back in March, Anders first suggested setting up a lemonade stand hoping to raise some money. I said, you know, why, why do you want to donate? Because I want to save a life. With that first stand, Anders squeezed out $21 in proceeds that went directly to the Victoria Hospitals Foundation, later matched by a physician who heard his story. 10, but it seems 20, Anders was just getting started. 45. This has definitely created a ripple effect and people are talking about young Anders and just what he's doing and the power of philanthropy for our hospitals. Hi Nelson. And as the donations pour in, the total climbs to a whopping $900. While Anders counts the cash. Okay, so 280. Friends and family. Count their blessings. Good thing. I know he's looking down on us and smiling. He'll be really proud of me. You're welcome. Kali Stanton, Global News, <laughs> Victoria. Whew. Oh, Anders, congratulations. Go ahead, let the emotion out. That's fantastic. Oh, hard, hard to hold it together after that. Well done, young man. Yeah. Well done. So sweet, Anders, mm -hmm. and continued good luck along the way. All right, last word on weather before we go here, Christy. <laughs> Sure, I'll try and get it out here. Um, yeah. So it's going to be hot. We've got uh, heat warning, as you well know. We've got two more days of extreme heat, especially in the interior. We're talking about 40 degrees in the Lytton area. Overnight lows in that area down to 20. We'll see relief finally on Friday. Way All to right. go, Anders. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome.
Okay, thanks very much, Christy. Thanks for watching, everyone. We'll see you back here again tomorrow.